Welcome back to The World's Game, a World Cup podcast. The Men's World Cup is over, but now it's time for the women. I'm going to have Women's World Cup episodes all summer long, breaking down all the storylines and all the fun. My name is Peter Roman. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And let's dive right in. Welcome to The World's Game, a World Cup podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. This is going to be my Women's World Cup final preview episode. So we're down to the final game of the tournament. I'm going to break it all down as far as players to watch, strategies to know about, and how we got here in the first place. So the two teams squaring off, we have Spain versus England, and this is going to be kicking off at 4 a.m. my time. Yeah, so if you live in a different time zone, um, I'm a little jealous, I won't lie, because 4 a.m. sucks, but I'm getting up to watch, and then I'll have a reaction episode, I'm hoping, sometime later on Sunday. But anyway, we'll start with the journey for these two teams. So we'll start with Spain. So Spain, they were placed in Group C alongside Zambia, Japan, and Costa Rica, and they ended up doing really well against Zambia, winning 5-0. They won 3-0 against Costa Rica before getting killed by Japan 4-0. Japan basically blitzed them inside of like a few, a few moments in the first half, essentially. In the round of 16, Spain squared off against Switzerland. They completely dominated that game. They won 5-1 over the Swiss. In the quarterfinals, they took on the Netherlands. That game had to go 120 minutes. Spain won in the end thanks to one of their bright young heroes, their teenager, who I'm going to talk about a little bit later. And in the semifinals, they went up against Sweden, and they were able to win that one thanks to a crazy last 10 minutes where Olga Carmona scored off the crossbar, and that put Spain into the Women's World Cup final for the first time ever. Spain's tournament hasn't exactly been like a smooth ride the whole time. It's been a little bumpy little up and down. There's been some weird lineup choices. There's been some really great performances. There have been some kind of mediocre performances along the way. But in the end, Spain had to face a very good Netherlands team and a very good Swedish team in the quarterfinals and the semifinals. They won both of those games, and now they find themselves in the final with a chance to win their first Women's World Cup title. So huge congratulations to Spain, obviously. And they'll be hoping they can get the job done. But of course, their opponent will not make it easy for them because they're going up against England. England are the defending European champions. They were drawn into Group D alongside China, Denmark, and Haiti. England got off to a bit of a rocky start in this tournament. They only beat Haiti 1-0. Then they beat Denmark 1-0 before killing China 7-1 in a very dominant, just, you know, all-around impressive victory. In the round of 16, they sort of squeaked their way by the Nigerian team that I thought outplayed them for large stretches of regular and extra time. England won that game in a shootout. And then in the quarterfinals, England, they were able to beat Colombia despite conceding the first goal of the game. And in the semifinals against the co-hosts, Australia, they went ahead and they were able to win 3-1 to to advance to their first Women's World Cup final. So, 
England haven't always been super impressive in this tournament, but they also haven't lost yet. They've won every single game, even if some of them were a little bit shaky, even though other ones were pretty impressive. So for England, it's really been a tale of they find ways to win. This English team has been very good about, you know, managing game situations, about finding, you know, finding ways to capitalize on opponents' mistakes. And these are things that are huge reasons why they're in the spot they're in right now, where they have a chance to not only be the European champions, but the world champions at the same time. So that's kind of the rundown of the two teams. So let's get into some of the strategy stuff. So England, at least in the knockout stages, they've pretty much been playing a pretty consistent 3-5-2 formation. So three defenders, five midfielders, and two forwards. And the two forwards have changed because Lauren James, who got a red card against Nigeria, she could be back for this final, which would be interesting if they did start her, considering how well Alessia Russo and Lauren Hemp have played up front. But it's really been about that midfield three, kind of in the way they dominate, and also the play of their wingbacks. I thought, like, I think that's been one of England's biggest strengths so far in the Women's World Cup. And that's obviously led by Lucy Bronze, who I thought was really, really good in the semifinal against Australia. And she'll be relied upon heavily, of course, because Spain Spain have a lot of threats going down the wing. But it's not a formation you see super often in the modern game, the 3-5-2, the, the way that England's playing it. But they have a really good balance, I think, with their team and the way they run it. They're really good at playing both in and out of possession, I find. And ultimately, it feels very flexible because even though the, you know, back three is pretty rigid and stuff like that, like, I feel like the midfield is pretty flexible and as far as their movement and their forwards, they like drifting wide. They also like coming back. Like, there's a lot of fluidity in that attacking play, which I really enjoy. So that's kind of the way England have been playing, at least through most of the knockout stage games. For Spain, they've been pretty consistent. They play a 4-3-3, which is kind of just part of Spain's identity. They've always been a very possession-style team. They want to hold the ball. They want to have the ball for the vast majority of the game. And quite often, teams are okay to let Spain have the ball. But, you know, there are ways to beat that style, of course. But Spain, yeah, basically four defenders, three midfielders, and three forwards. The lineups, like the players themselves, have changed a lot because... Jorge Vilda doesn't seem super certain about what his best starting 11 is. But at the same time, for the most part, it's worked because Spain have obviously found a way to make it work. The biggest question mark with them, though, in their formation style is just where to play Alexia Puteas, who has been in and out of the lineup. Obviously, she's still trying to recover from her ACL tear from a year ago, and she's not quite fully fit, like match fit yet. So, And you can tell that, right? But... It's kind of a balance because Puteas is typically a creative midfield player playing like a number 10 role, but Spain don't really have that because Bonmati is kind of like, Pep Guardiola, I believe, called this the false eight, where it's basically, she kind of is playing box to box, but Bonmati will often drift forward and have a little bit of a free role as well to go into attacking spaces. The problem is if you have two players doing that, it leaves your defense a little more vulnerable. And Spain have obviously conceded quite a few goals at this Women's World Cup. They haven't exactly been the most stellar defensively. But of course, the reward on the other side 
is that you can score a lot more because you're putting really good creative players in dangerous positions, which is what they've been doing throughout throughout the tournament, which is why they scored five against the Swiss, they scored two against the Netherlands, they scored two against the Swedes, and obviously scored five against Zambia and three against Costa Rica. The only game they didn't score was the Japan game, but they don't have to play Japan, so they don't have to worry about the Japanese counterattack. They have to worry about the English counterattack, but that is a little bit of a different ball game because I don't think England have quite the same level of technical ability that a lot of the Japanese players had, especially the Japanese attack, like Miyazawa and Tanaka and players like that. So will be very interesting. I think it'll be a good little cage match. I do expect there to be goals in this game. I don't know if this is going to be like a very high scoring game necessarily, but I could absolutely see like a two to one kind of final and that's kind of what I'm expecting and I also think there's a very good chance we end up in extra time as well and maybe even penalty kicks I think these two teams are pretty even for the most part and yeah I if I had to make a prediction I think I'm leaning England at the moment but of course you know in tournaments like this in big games like this it really comes down to just the fine details and so that'll be interesting to see but those are kind of the Two different systems that these two teams run there's kind of the strategy breakdown and then of course we have the players to watch so on the spanish side i have four so i have salma paraluelo and she is man um she's on a bit of a run lately so paraluelo has come off the bench twice for the spanish team in the knockout rounds and has scored in back-to-back -back games in the quarterfinals and the semifinals. She scored the game-winning goal against the Netherlands, which was a great goal, and scored the opening goal against the Swedes. And when she was on the... Like, I love the way she played in that semifinal against Sweden. Every time she got the ball, it felt like she was going to create something dangerous. She's very fast and great with the ball at her feet. So... Salma Paraluelo will be a player that England will have to keep an eye on. I don't know if she'll start the game or not, but even if she doesn't start the game, she will play a role in this game. She will come on at some point, and the English defenders will have to find a way to deal with her. My next player, of course, is the player that I think is currently the frontrunner for the player of the tournament, Atiana Bonmati. Bonmati has been by far Spain's most important player in this tournament. She is such an integral player in that midfield. I talked a little bit about her just a minute ago. She kind of plays that false eight role where it's like kind of a box-to-box -box midfielder, but also a player that will drift forward a little bit when needed, will drift back a little bit as well when needed. Her passing, though, is unbelievable. And that's if you're looking for a way to break down the English defense, Bonmati is probably the best bet for that. Puteas is all, has to be on my players to watch list for Spain, and that's only because even though I know she's still struggling for full fitness, she is a player that is very technically capable. And anyone who's watched her play at club level knows that she is very capable of producing moments of magic. And in finals like this, you know, that's all it takes. All it takes is one moment to potentially win the game or lose the game. And in the case of Alexia Puteas, there's a good chance that she could end up winning the game for Spain. And my final player is Olga Carmona. I loved Carmona's performance in the semifinal against Sweden. I think her role in that fullback spot, she has just 
nailed it down. Like, she had such a stellar A-plus performance, in my opinion, in that game. And, of course, she scored a great goal to actually win the game itself. I don't necessarily expect fullbacks to score goals in finals, but you never know. But more importantly, you need that balance in defense as well because you can't just have it be a forward show all day because you need your defenders to step up just as much as you need your forwards to step up. So those are my four players to watch from Spain. And then from England, I have Lauren Hemp. She has scored in back-to-back -back games, capitalizing twice on defensive mistakes. Against Colombia, it was their goalkeeper. And against Australia, it was their defender, Ellie Carpenter. And so Hemp, looking for her third goal in a row. She has been the replacement for Lauren James, who obviously got suspended with the red card for stomping on the back of the Nigerian um, in the round of 16. So I expect Hemp to start. She's played really well in place of Lauren James. And in my opinion, it would be very cruel if she didn't start this game. I think Hemp's been really important. Her link-up play with Russo, who, by the way, is another one of my players to watch, Alessia Russo, their link-up play together has been really, really important. The two of them just seem to always know where the other one is, and they have a really good understanding of being in that two-striker pairing together. They have a really good understanding of where each other like is where each other is supposed to be and how they can fill the space and also exploit defensive mistakes and gaps and all of that stuff. So yeah, Lauren Hemp's one of my players to watch. Alessia Russo, another one of my players to watch. Russo also scored in the game against Australia. And she created, she basically made the first goal happen with a great assist to Ella Toon in that semifinal as well. So those two players, really, really important for England. My next player is Lucy Bronze. Lucy Bronze, I think, had the most underrated performance of the semifinal. I thought what she did on that right-hand side, especially because Australia's Caitlin Ford had been playing really well, and I thought Lucy Bronze just took her out of the game. She had an exceptional performance. Bronze is a very capable player. She's a little bit older now than she used to be, like maybe not quite the player she was like four years ago, but she is still one of the best defenders in the world, in my opinion. And Lucy Bronze, the way she played in that semifinal, if she can replicate that performance in the final, it would be huge to stopping Spain's attack and to helping generate lots of attacks going the other way for England. And then my final player to watch is Kira Walsh. Kira Walsh had an injury scare in this tournament, but since she's, since she's come back, she's been absolutely vital for that team. She is basically the defensive midfielder for this English 3-5-2 formation. And... I mean, she's so important. She stops plays. She stops counterattacks before they happen. She's able to really get a good control of the game. She's very smart about the way she plays. Very physical player as well, right? And trying to stop, you know, momentum and trying to get in the other team's head. Really, really important. She will be vital in going up against that Spanish three in the midfield because we're going to have the English three in the midfield, in the center midfield, and we're going to have the Spanish three in the center midfield. And that could likely decide the game, whoever comes out on top in that midfield battle. So, that's it. That's all I got for my Women's World Cup final preview. I'm so excited. I hope you're just as excited. I hope you're also in a better time zone than I am, so that way the game isn't, you know, at 4 a.m. But, but overall, this tournament has been a ton of fun, and I will have some recap episodes about the whole tournament. I'll have my top 10 storylines and my top 10 goals. The top 10 storylines, by the way, is really hard. I've been trying to, like, prep this thing, and it's 
so much harder than it was for the Men's World Cup. The Men's World Cup, it was like, oh, yeah, Lionel Messi won, and, you know, there were some other really cool stories. But on the women's side, it's like, yeah, but, like, half of these federations did really well despite the fact that they've been getting screwed over off the field. So how do I even compare that, right? But either way, be on the lookout for that. I will, I'm hoping to have my final recap on Sunday, like sometime later in the day, but we'll see how early I can get to record it. But either way, very excited for the Women's World Cup final. It is Spain versus England. Can't wait to watch. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the world's game a world cup podcast the music is from pixabay there will be new episodes throughout the women's world cup so make sure you subscribe and don't miss a moment of the 2023 world cup